The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Our passage this morning comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 14. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for the many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, and let us say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. This is the reading of God's word. Thank you, Michelle. I got it. <laughs> amen. Amen. Y'all believe that was God's word? Say amen. Amen. I just want to emphasize a couple things. Welcome my visitors again, MTR, TFA, SOS. Thank y'all for coming. Amen. um, You could be anywhere else, but you came to this place, the house of the Lord, and we thank you for doing that. I want to emphasize the fact that if you do have a voice, I've only seen a couple brothers singing in this choir here. Can we get a couple more brothers to lift up their voices on a Sunday morning to sing praises to our King? Y'all, I, I know, I know. Y'all up there singing the new Yay, uh huh, new Kanye. Up there singing all the other little uh, Neo, uh huh. You in the club singing all those songs, but you can't come up here and sing that. I know some people saying, I don't, I don't know who you talking. About. I know some Alabama, uh, I, yeah. Okay, we, we multi-ethnic church, there are various different music genres, and sometimes I leave some out. Please forgive me. <laughs> However, needless to say, please avail your voices and your gifts to Adriana. But then also join this group choir. I might even find myself there, okay? My wife always compliments me on how much I sing and how great I sing in the house. I mean, it's beautiful. I just, the reason I don't get up here is because I don't want to outshine anybody. I'm trying to be humble. Modest. Amen. Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. Uh Uh, And then the other thing, volunteers, please, please, uh, we need you guys. As a church, we cannot function without our volunteers. You guys have to know that. We want to empower people. And you guys aren't just volunteers, you're leaders, leaders in God's church. It is his kingdom. That's what we've emphasized. And so when Aaron calls upon all of us to come together, it's like calling on the family to come alongside and help when you, if you do have time. So June, June 19th, 
please contact Aaron about ways that you can help and lead and facilitate in areas and also in other Sundays or other events where you, uh, you have gifts to offer to this church. Amen. As Aaron has already mentioned, we've been going through a sermon series. And the sermon series has been emphasizing the fact that if we then have intimacy with God, it leads to intimacy with one another. That is a fact. That's what we know what the Bible says. When we look at the petitions, the six petitions that we've been covering over the Lord's Prayer, what we see is three that focuses on the preeminence of God. The preeminence of God. And then the other three focus on the personal needs of the community of God. That's significant. Why? Because it causes us or gives us a way how to worship and have a view of God. But then it also dictates how we do life together. When we go through the Ten Commandments, we will see somewhat of the same structure and how to do community life. And that's what we're walking through this summer. Why is that important? One of the things that we've gone around and told many of our community groups, uh, and if you are joining us, by the way, we have community groups. If you want to be involved, community life, we basically make this church smaller in small pockets and geographical areas and other communities. And please, we have uh, uh, various community group leaders. So if you want to join one, please let us know. However, what we've been emphasizing is that we don't want to just be a church that's about dynamic worship. That's about dynamic preaching. I know a lot of us emphasize that in our culture today. However, I believe we would like to be a church that cares for people. Because you can go anywhere and hear the best worship in the world. I've been around tremendous worship leaders. Right? You, you can go anywhere and hear the most dynamic preaching in the world. I mean, you have podcasts. You have the, the Vimeo. You have YouTube. You, you got preaching all around you. You can be well informed. However, what I think many of us struggle with is community, fellowship, feeling alone, feeling cared for. When there are moments where you are by yourself. There are moments where you don't necessarily know if there are people that love you and care for you. Maybe because you're in Memphis and you're from some other city. Or maybe it's because you've isolated yourself from your family because you're trying to live as a Christian and you don't know how to live that out yet. There are various different ways, but the fact of the matter is you want to be somewhere committed to a body and a body committed to you because they care for you. We do that through our diaconate. We do that through our elder leadership. We do that through every fabric of ministry we have. We are family. Amen? So that's what we want to emphasize this morning. Before we dive into the text, please pray with me. Father, we love you and we bless you. We thank you because you are God that continues to remind us of how good you are. And that your goodness and mercy, it will follow us all the days of our life. Lord, you are one that will always lead us by peace. Lead us in ways in which we uh, oftentimes feel that there are uncomfortable positions. But you restore our soul. You help us, Lord Jesus, not to walk in ways in which sinners and scoffers and those that will try to kill us and destroy us you help us to walk in harmony you help us to walk 
in love. You help us to walk in care and to ask God that we continue to be trees planted by the stream of water that will continue to strengthen us, continue to help us to recognize your grace and your mercy by the way that we have been loved by you and the way that we love one another. Help us in this passage. Use me now, Lord God, to speak to your people. Hide me beneath your cross. And I pray, God, as you do, that your word may avail itself to the hearts and minds of your people. Our Lord, we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. All God's people said. Uh, appreciate that, young brother. That's good. Amen. Uh, by the way, just proper protocol, since we do have several visitors, I do like amen. Okay? I've been in high liturgical churches. I've been a pastor in churches where I've had to provoke some amen. Okay? Uh, but but I don't want to have to provoke so much of amen because I know some of y'all can do that. And if it's a learning experience, just 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 whisper. Give me the nod, lift the hand, something. Just let me know you're in the house. And if I'm preaching too bad, just come over and slap me. I don't have no problem. <laughs> One time I heard a story, and the story was about uh, a young man's family who owned who owned a sheep farm, and as they had this sheep farm, they they would always have to go out and find pregnant sheep. There was never a time where they would have to come back home and there would be no sheep left behind. So what they would have to do is they would have to count all of the pregnant sheep before they would leave on their journey to make sure they can account for all of their sheep. Well. When they would miss a sheep, what would happen was they would have to go out as a family and search for the pregnant sheep. Because what the sheep would do is if they're going in labor, immediately the sheep would sit down. And when it would sit down, if it was facing downhill, she would stay in that direction, fighting against gravity to push the lamb out of the womb. But if no one helps her, then she dies in that position. Simply because she would never turn around. I think what's evident in this is that when they would have to go, it, 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 it was no part in which every time they would go, it was good weather conditions. Or things were all right and everything worked properly. But no, if it was harsh weather conditions, the family would build a shelter around the sheep. And they would sit there and console the sheep, making sure that the sheep was warm. They would place their bodies alongside of this animal. After hearing this story, I said, man, people show do love sheep. I don't know if I can do that. However, I do understand there is a God who calls us sheep and he is our shepherd. And we can be like stubborn animals. Where we get stuck in a particular direction. Where we get stuck in a particular mindset. Facing trials and our attitudes will not be able to conquer the obstacles that present themselves. Simply because we get in the way. Oh, I got some amens. Okay, we work. Uh, but but I want y'all I want y'all to know that if we were, if that sheep were just to take a moment to look at its shepherd, that would change the sheep's life, and it would discover that much like us, we would discover that if we would turn our direction to our Savior, and that our problems are not our own problems. That our problems are not problems that ought to be dealt with in isolation. But our problems ought to be presented to God. Who has already prepared a rescue plan for his people. Who is already willing to lead his people. 
who is already willing to care and make sure that His people are well loved in moments of trial and testing. We are not the solution makers, beloved. The shepherd is. I know I got a lot of people in here. Business owners, those who have tried to fight against the gravity of life because you wanted to go a different way. Those who are strong-minded. I just want to warn you this morning. Don't push against God's plan. Because you will not win. And since you don't push in that plan, you concede to the fact that if you have not, let me take a brief call, if you have not made Him your Lord and your Savior, you not made Him your Lord and your Savior, you need to do that this morning. You need to ask somebody, how can you walk with Jesus? Let me take a brief pause just for a moment because I forgot this announcement, but we got two brothers from Teen Challenge, they just told me, been here serving this entire time and their testimonies are, 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 are extremely powerful and God has given us these brothers y'all stand just quickly before I continue on y'all stand God's given us those brothers and they're graduating from the program amen and they're going back home to their families and we just want to commend y'all and we believe God will continue to use y'all amen yeah as the reason I did, the reason I, did, I thought about that is because it was random. However, to kind of get y'all back on the problem, it wasn't random that they told me, but it, it helped me to remember that God gives us people for a season, and we ought to love them and care for them. We ought to shepherd them. So in emulating what that looks like for our lives, what it means is that we ought to recognize that God is our shepherd. He is faithful and He is good. Thus, we must follow Him, leading us. Seeking his delivering power in moments in which we have nowhere else to go. That's where I want you to hang your hats on. If you say, what can I take? What's the main thought? That God is our shepherd. He is good and he is faithful. And we must follow his lead and seek his delivering power. Why? Uh, You know why. Because there are devices, there are trials, there are tests that become the determining factors that will either deceive us or lead us astray. If you know then that there is no substitute for God for the pleasure of life, that He will fulfill you, that no one else can fulfill you. And in layman terms, as I would hear when I became a believer, the old mother in the church would say, Can't nobody do you like Jesus. Can't nobody love you like Jesus. Can't anyone care for you like Jesus. No one can make provisions for you like Jesus. No one can pardon your sins like Jesus. No one can protect you from hurt, harm, and danger like Jesus. No amount of money, no amount of, uh, uh, no, not even the best credit score, not even a college degree, not a vacation, not a, a man or a woman, not the best situation, not that vehicle, n- nothing can do you or feel you like Jesus this is important because what we are emphasizing this morning and throughout this summer is that the intimacy that we have with him Jesus the one that can only care for us the intimacy that we ought to emulate with one another that it leads to that essentially uh, when reading Calvin's Institutes he actually affirms this in the Christian religion book that he's written he says that he suggests actually that if we subsist If we subsist, we subsist for a reason. And that is, the knowledge of God leads to knowledge of ourselves. The knowledge of God actually leads to the knowledge of ourselves. He goes on to say, nearly all wisdom we possess 
That is to say, true and sound wisdom consists of two parts. Knowledge of God and knowledge of ourselves. That's important when we talk about this particular petition. The sixth petition. Leading us into temptation and delivering us from evil. Uh, The first point is simple. It is God leading us into temptation. What do we need to know? We need to know God. Without knowledge of God, there is no knowledge of ourselves. I want you to get that in your mind. Because what's important to know about the person leading you, about the individual leading you, you want to know if they're, they're capable of doing so. You want to know if they have the fortitude in order to do so. You want to know if they have the actual resume. And God has all of that. By his attributes, we then have a fundamental understanding as to how God leads and shepherds his people. For instance, here's some attributes you can attribute to God that you may not think about oftentimes when it comes to these moments. But first of all, you see that God is omnipresent. And knowing that God is omnipresent, it doesn't mean that he has any spatial dimension and is present everywhere with his whole being. The practical implication of this is that God can be sought anywhere regardless of place. And believers should never feel, get this lonely nor should they fear when they are around the wicked. Nor should the wicked feel safe. Not only is God omnipresent, but God is immutable. He does not change, unchanging in his being, perfect in every way, purpose and promises. He is unchanging in them, although he as he acts in response to different situations, God feels emotion. So the practical implication of this is that God can always be trusted. He can always keep his word. He he is never capricious or moody. He won't just change on you in a minute. He won't be fickle. He will be faithful. Not only is God omnipresent and immutable, uh, but he is also holy. I don't want to bore you this morning, but this is the God that we have and we must know him. In order to know that he is holy, you must know that God is absolutely and uniquely excellent above all creation. Majesty and without sin, purity. The practical implication of this is that God should be feared. He should be obeyed and people should earnestly pursue moral purity. We talk about God is not only omnipresent, he is not only immutable, but he is also, he's not only holy, but he's omnipotent and he has wisdom. I can, I can go on and on about this God that we serve, but here it is, when you know the God that is leading you in these seasons of life and, and that is with you, you have to know that the attributes of God actually are not only to be appreciated, but they are guidance for prayer. Amen. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the Lord's Prayer. We, we, God is telling us how to petition. And what He is saying is, is that even when you're struggling, because He is a God that is powerful, because He is a God that is unchanging, then every decision you make, you can present it to Him. I see, you may, you may say, but, but Mike, what is temptation? See, temptation can lead us when it comes to finances. We only make decisions because of finances. We only make decisions because of careers. We only make decisions because of relationships. Whatever you do, you trust in the decision instead of trusting in God who can make the decision. Amen. 
When you begin to pray, God, when you begin to pray to God according to his wisdom, asking for for it, seeking it from him as he leads you, I want you to know this, is that he's with you even when you feel like it's ambivalent. Even when you feel a level of uncertainty, even when you feel doubt, even when you're unsure, God's promise to be omnipresent is that in the uncertainty, God is with you for security, for assurance and safety. You see, this works when we are tempted. This works in the midst of temptation. Then it allows us not to be overwhelmed by emotions and superstitions and or our own egos. But what happens is we begin to hold on to God's unchanging hand. His faithfulness. His love. His care. So you may, you might have been tempted in a moment to where someone said, I, I got a good job for you. I got a good opportunity. And this opportunity is the best opportunity for you. But you can, you can actually say to yourself, is the opportunity sinful? Is, is this, is this a situation that will lead me into sin? That's the temptation part. Because is the opportunity good? Absolutely. Is the opportunity a good situation? Possibly. But if you don't know your, if you don't know God and you don't know yourself, that actual opportunity can be a temptation that can lead to something else. So do you know the one that is leading you? Do you know the circumstances and the situations that you are in in order to be led? So first of all, in order for God to lead us into temptation, we must know him. Then second of all, in order for God to lead us into temptation, we must be aware of our own temptations. Be aware of your temptations. First, you must note that temptations in the uh, temptation in our society has only been regulated to a negative sense. But the word in its essence is, is, is only to be uh, associated with negative, uh, uh, negative connotations. However, what we understand from the Greek is that this word actually means to be examined, to be tested, to endure a trial. This is what temptation means. You can see it in the Greek in the Septuagint, which is in Genesis 22, verses 22, chapter 22, verse 1. What does God tell Abraham? After these things, God tested Abraham. No more amens. Okay. God tested Abraham. That's what the Bible says. Now, seeing that typically we can we only perceive tempting in a negative way, what happens is we misinterpret texts like James 1 and 13. Where James 1.13 says, Let no one when he is tempted, I am let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Y'all get that? So the solution to this misinterpretation is to, to actually put Tempting with a positive connotation or a translation so that you may understand it in the context of trials and testing. If that then is the case, it adds clarification to what we're getting to in this particular petition. In the sixth petition. That the prayer that we need is not a prayer that we're not led. uh, I'm sorry. The prayer that is that we are not led into into temptation or testing or trial. Which means that every temptation... Test and trial is not necessarily a sin. I worked through all of that to say temptation, test, and trial is not a sin. 
Michael, you're saying temptation and test and trial is not a sin? That's exactly what I'm saying. That is why we ought to add to look at the second part of the petition is where she says, it continues, but deliver us from evil. Oh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So God, we don't actually want you to lead us into temptation, but we do want you to lead us while we're in temptation. I'm seeing a couple head nods. Because here's the idea. It's not that the temptation is negative. It's not that the temptation is bad for us. It's that it actually builds us up. That the test of fiery trials, what we know from what Peter says, actually refines us. It makes us look more like Christ. Here's the intimacy part. It may be tough to make, it may be tough to go through the test, but it's not about simply passing the test. It's about holding on and trusting the God who has all of the answers to the test. See, it's easy when you know that you haven't prepared well for the test and you go in and you take that examination and you and you already know that you're going to sit by Joe Blow because you know Joe Blow didn't handled all of the business. And so you want to, you, you remember, I don't know if y'all remember where, where you would have to set up those folders and you would try to set the folders up around you and, 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 and so you couldn't cheat off nobody else, right? But see, I didn't do this, okay? I wanted to make sure. This is not my temptation. It had never been, okay? But but the idea of it is, it's easy to try to gl- glance on Joe Blow's paper when you come to a, a multiple choice question or when you come to an essay question that you just have not been prepared for. See, the, the, the idea of it is, is that we are not necessarily prepared for every temptation on our own. It's not about how we're studying. It's not about how we are simply trying to do But it's how we take this and this living word actually begins to permeate from our very being and that it begins to prepare us for every test, every trial, every issue, every occasion that comes. See, I remember being a young man. I remember being a young kid and I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I just really want to make that clear because when my mother wanted to start going to church uh, and when I became a believer, I didn't have a context as to what it meant to live that out. So granted, my my stepfather, who is not a believer, when I am in certain situations, my faith is actually being tested. I am asked hard questions. I'm presented with temptations, whether that be drinking, whether that be sexually, because people around me in my context were not believers. So they did not understand what I was trying to live out. So all of the tests and things around me were actually causing me to fall and fall and fall into temptation and sin because I didn't know that the one that can deliver me was right here. I knew that he actually impacted my life. But I didn't know that he can deliver me when somebody is trying to beat on me. When somebody is trying to make me walk away from the very person that has transformed my life. I say that to be saved because I know it's a lot of young people in here. You hear the gospel every single week. But you go home and you know that your home life may not look like what the church is trying to tell you. And you have to 
live in that context. You have to go through that. You have to smell things. You have to see things. You have to go through things. I'm not only talking to them. I'm talking to people, young people in particular, who have to go home and you have to see that your house home, your home is in disarray. I'm not just talking about legal arguments between your parents. I'm talking that you see one parent sleep in another room and the other parent sleep in the other room. You, you, you don't see them on the same page, but you hear and you see your family come to church each and every week, but they cannot pass the test because they have not trusted in Jesus. And so you can't pass the test because you don't know how they're living that out. There's so many temptations that are around us. And what we know is that what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says that no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. The temptation, uh, but with temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. This, brothers and sisters, this is why you must beware of temptations. Because every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from the opportunity. It doesn't come from the man or the woman. It doesn't come from the best job. It doesn't come from the perfect situation. It doesn't come from the best salary. It doesn't come from the best wife. It doesn't come from the best husband. It doesn't come because you got it all together. It does not come from anything but the Lord. For anyone, sorry. So these things that we go through on a day-to-day basis can be tricky because we can fall into sin due to the fact that we are not aware of our temptations. And that is hard. That is difficult. And I say this directly to men. You know that if you're in a situation where you're at work, you just got into it with your wife. And then Sister Susie try to talk to you. Want to sit with you at lunch break and do coffee with you. Brothers, you're not supposed to sit with Sister Susie. No. I'm talking to my engaged couples. You know the next flicks and chills season of things. It should not be that in relationships... That you are simply spending an ample amount of time on the couch and at one another's home and putting yourself in a trial that you know that you can't pass. Leave that house not at 10 p.m. at 5 p.m. <laughs> Text your girlfriend and let her know I need to leave the house at this time. If I didn't drive past the house, circle around the block and make sure I left. <laughs> this is the intimacy that leads to one another that allows us to be transparent, allows us to, t- to trust each other, allows us to, to build each other up. Why do we say this? Because even in a society to where so many of us go through anxiety, so many of us go through temptations, so many of us go through depression, we're not, we don't recognize how anxiety and depression is killing our people. It's stressing our people. And what happens is we put ourselves in particular situations that actually causes hyper levels of anxiety and then it leads us into depression. Depression. Does that mean anxiety and depression are sins? We don't see that what the Bible says. But what happens is we begin to toss back the bottle just a little bit more. Oh yeah, yeah. When we just when we when we take a puff of something, that becomes a little bit different. 
And when we, when we sit there and we watch particular things that cause us to struggle, that's another thing that becomes a little bit different. You see what I'm saying? The fact of the matter is, it's not that you won't go through anything. It's the way in which you are aware of the things that you go through. I have to move on. I have to move on. Uh, uh, brothers and sisters, I want you to know this. That a biblical promise, a bi- praying biblical promises to resist temptation means this. Vulnerability, pray against it, pray and watch, pray to be protected from it, pray to endure it. You can cross-reference it as Matthew 26, 41. And then also, you want to make sure that you pray not to be overtaken. Using the Bible to give you paradigms in order, this is nothing but 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, to help you pray. Pray not to be tempted beyond your own ability. Pray that God provides a way of escape. Even in moments of where you know, I'm not supposed to be here. I don't need to be in this situation. God, give me a way of escape. Very much practical. Because what Augustine says is that we are, we were created able to sin. After rebellion, what happens for humanity, we were not able not to sin. And then what happened after conversion, we were able to, not to sin. But once we are glorified, we will be unable to sin. We're not unable to sin, beloved. And that is something that we must call on God to deliver us. So God is a delivering God. How do we know God is a delivering God? Because what God presents to us and what he tells us is that in this world, we are to be in it, but we're not to be of it. And that's John 17, 15. And not being of this world means that we are subjecting our hearts, which are corrupt, which are perverted, to a corrupt and perverted world. And in subjecting our hearts to that, what we need to call upon is God delivering power and his grace. It is Francis Schaeffer who coined the term that we are glorious ruins, which means that we are humanity. We humanity are, uh, we are humanity saturated with the glory of the creator made in his image and in his life. But at the same time, beloved, listen to this. At the same time, we have been horribly marred. Broken people, people broken by sin, and the world around us seemingly beyond recognition and repair. Why are we saying this? Because you remember Simon Peter, who was supposed to be the rock of the church, was the same one where God said, Satan is trying to sift you as what? Wheat. He's trying to do the same thing to us. He's trying to make us relapse, in, relapse into addiction. He's trying to destroy churches. He's trying to destroy marriages. He's trying to make you be stressed, overwhelmed, depressed. Family, the devil wants to kill us. But I want to give you this. This is how God delivers us. He's keeping us from evil. By keeping us from evil. Establishing and guarding us against the evil one. Rescuing us in situations. Reminding us of his promises. I remember... In St. Louis, there was a situation. See, you can, all the video stuff these days, it, it causes a little problems because when somebody try to rob you, you got your ring the doorbell video. An older gentleman was walking his dog on the, uh, 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 going outside. And a couple young teenagers felt like, oh, we can get this guy. He's 80 years old. We're going to take all his money. So they walk up and they put a pistol up into his head and they say, give me everything you got. The man who's 80 years old, frail, with his little old dog, because the dog didn't bark, didn't do anything. He's like, you don't give him the money. He said, honey, grab the gun. Now, I don't know where he got that. Because there's a gun pointing at him. 
the fact that he can assert himself in a moment in which he knew that it was nothing that they could do to take something from him because he called on his wife to call to protect him. We have somebody greater that we call on. And every single time the enemy puts the pistol of life to our heads of temptations, trials, evil things, trying to take us, all we got to do is say, God, go ahead. Take care of this. And he will do exactly that. Knowing that we can trust in him. Knowing that we abide in him. Because the Bible says no weapon formed against us will, pr- will prosper. I'm a little King James still. Because it also says in Isaiah 59, 19, that he will lift up a standard when the enemy comes like a flood. See, the Bible lets us know how we ought to actually equip ourselves. And also the arm of God. I won't give too far into that. But we know what the arm of God does for us. God gives us the ability to see that we can go through tests and trials. Why? Because he did. He was tempted, but he was without sin. Derek Raymond was an Olympic runner for Barcelona in 1992. And what happened was, was Derek had prepared himself to be a gold medalist in the semi-finals. All of the training that he had done had prepared him for this meet. And he was ready. And as he prepared himself, just like any other Olympic runner, the gun goes off. Everyone else, the medalists, are at the finish line. But Derek is not. Lo and behold, in the middle of that race, right when he got about 100 meters out, he felt like he was shot. And his hamstring pulled. Uh, worship team, y'all can come on here, come on. His hamstring pulled. And when he pulled his hamstring, he couldn't get up. He nailed to the ground and he tried to limp his way through. And he was hurt. He only did about 50 meters. But there was a man that was fighting through the crowd. And as he was trying to get through the crowd, what happened was uh, uh, he was running to actually Derek. But Derek didn't know who was coming alongside of him. But it was his father, Jim. And as Jim came alongside of Derek, well, I want you to get this, beloved. He said, Derek, you don't have to do this anymore. And he said, Daddy, I just want to finish. And he said, okay. And he repeated a couple words in his ear. And what he said was, you're a champion. You can do it. You're a champion. You can do it. I I don't know how long he was going through that pain and that was agonizing him. But as he was going through that pain of the test that was presented to him, he had someone walking right there with him to tell him who he is. Knowledge of God means that we have knowledge of ourselves. God comes alongside of us. When we are limping in life, He holds us. He comforts us. He pulls us. He doesn't drag us. He makes sure that we can walk, that we will walk in glorification one day when He comes. And that's what this table represents. That we are victorious. That we are champions in the right in the fact that He has completed and finished the work. Amen, somebody. Beloved, we will continue to worship taking communion, but also we will continue to worship by offering not only our hearts to God, but our our tithes and our offerings to Him.
Let me pray. Father, we love you and we thank you because you are our God. You are our creator. You're the one that continues to remind us of your steadfast love and your mercies and how they're new every day. We ask, Jesus, that you not only just be in the midst of leading us through temptation, but you deliver us from evil. Let us help us to hold on to that word in your unchanging hand. In Jesus' name, all God's people say, Amen. Amen.